Hi, this is Annie. Hi, this is Carol. And this is the Making Lemonade podcast where we discuss our lives and how we adapt to new challenges and make the most of it. This week, we're going to share how we both spend our time outside of work to volunteer and serve on boards of organizations that we're passionate about. So what's new this week? (laughs) My daughter just started physical school. Oh, really? Okay. So now they can go in. Are they wearing masks and stuff? How are they handling that right now? Yeah, they're doing masks and they're doing smaller classes. I just came back from class and there's only three people in her class. Oh, wow. That's great. Mm-hmm. So she gets a lot of like personal attention and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So she actually didn't want to leave because there was just so many toys there. And she's like, I want to come back again. So Aww. yeah, it's cute. Does she know the other two students in her class? I guess they've seen each other on Zoom, but I don't think they actually know each other. Oh, wow. So wait, is this her first pre-kindergarten or preschool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a big deal. Yeah, so it's super cute. They're really good about it because they let you bring her in and you physically stay there with her. And then they work up to up to three hours without the parents. They do that gradually. Anyway, enough about me. What's new with you? Let's see. Oh, we have some friends over. So remember how last time I was telling you about how I really wanted a fire pit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually got one. You got one. <laughs> I did. I got one. We got a round one. Pretty good. We went to the Lowe's, just like really down the street from me, pretty much. They had one left. It was perfect. It's got kind of like a faux stone like exterior design. And then it's circular. So we put it right in the middle of the rooftop. Sounds great. Yeah. It's really great. Sounds awesome. Well, yeah, let's get into it. So I know you volunteer for Castle. Do you want to tell me a little bit? about CASEL? Yeah. So CASEL stands for Chinese American Service League. It's headquartered in Chicago and it is a like social service organization. And they do very comprehensive. It's been around for over 40 years. So they've helped lots of people in the last 40 years. What types of programs do they run? We run everything from child youth development programs. We do like early child care, after school care. Okay. Like K through 12. We're talking the full spectrum. We also have senior wellness. We also have senior housing. Castle has built. They also help with employment and like financial empowerment. They also do immigration and also on legal services. So it's pretty much everything you can think of that someone would need kind of like throughout the different phases in their life. Imagine if you were a brand new immigrant into the US and you like just needed someone to kind of walk you through like, what do I do? How do I live in this city, right? You come to Castle and everything that you really need, there's a program for it. If you need help just kind of establishing credit and setting up your energy bills and getting yourself in a situation where eventually you built some credit and you can like maybe like one day buy a house. And in that time prior to that, obviously you're going to need help with employment. We have many programs, but one that we've seen good success with in the past was like the chef training program where they train you in Western cuisine. Western. Okay. Yeah. It's excellent. They have a full commercial kitchen. They teach on site. They have a professional instructor that is there. It's a very rigorous course. It's They do everything from vocational English training to 
learning how to make different types of Western cuisines or how to be like chefs. So they train them and then they can find jobs in the culinary industry? Oh, yeah. A lot of past graduates of this program work in the hospitality industry here in the major hotels. Chicago has a ton. So right. place people in like the Peninsula, Hyatt, Hilton, Langham, like all over the place. Okay. So are these programs uh, free or they pay a little bit or they give back? Yeah. So many of the programs are free. Some are like subsidized, just depending on what you qualify for. But a lot of it is free. I I think some of the chef training, I know they have like limited space. So you basically just, you know, you sign up. I honestly can't tell you for sure what kind of fees are involved, but if there is a fee, it's definitely affordable. It's meant to help you get footing and establish like a very comfortable income so that you can move on with different stages of life. Yeah. I mean, I'm particularly interested in the after school care and stuff because I understand as a parent, it's very difficult to find childcare and school ends early, like 3, 4 p.m. People have jobs. Mm-hmm. So you want to tell me a little bit more about the after school care program? Yeah. So the focus for child and youth development is they can take kids any early as preschool. They do middle school and high school and they can work on cognitive development, school readiness, just basically learning what going to school in the U.S. is like. And then they also help you develop your kids with like social emotional stability just so that they can like adjust to like American society if they came from a different country. Obviously, if they're born here, they can still go through this program and then they work on like all of that school readiness and everything. The program actually does encourage non-immigrant, non-Chinese families to join. That way, like it creates like more of a diverse group of kids. They don't want all the kids to just be from one background. They would love to encourage different backgrounds to all like go to school together in the after school programs. Okay. So how did you first get involved and why did you decide to get involved? Yeah. So actually, I was first exposed to the organization when I was asked to come in as a volunteer for the legal clinic. Earlier, I mentioned they also have legal advice. Yeah. In the legal clinic, they have actual attorneys there that basically hear what you need and then they do the intake. And they decide like, okay, this case should go here. This case is something they can take or work on. This case they might not necessarily be able to take on themselves, but can refer you to another legal services agency. So I came in as a, a Mandarin translator for the legal clinic because, you know, I understand the legal aspects of things and also speak Mandarin. And so I was basically introduced to this organization for the very first time through volunteering with the legal clinic. And after a few times, one of the other volunteers served on the associate board. And so he had asked if I was interested in maybe coming to an associate board meeting and seeing if I would be interested to be involved. (laughs) And so I did. So I said, okay. So I took him up on the offer came to a meeting, really loved everybody that I met, many of whom I'm still friends with today. I just had a really great experience. And I believe I was helping with the marketing and the existing co-chair was leaving to go to B-School. And so they had asked for like just any member that was interested. Okay. I applied along with you know several other members and then me and Eric, we were chosen to become the new co-chairs of the associate board. So... 
he and I served as co-chairs for multiple years, I think in total, maybe like four or five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after I served on the associate board, I was asked, invited to interview for to be on the board of directors. So I've been on the board of directors now for a year and a half and love it. Okay. So what else have you been doing with Castle for the last few years? Yeah. So Castle puts on a couple fundraising events uh, every year. And so I've helped and served on the planning committee for these events for the last five years. Right now, because of COVID, obviously the large gala that we do every year had to be postponed. And so we're actually pivoting from, of course, not doing an in-person gala, but we are doing a virtual gala. Of course. Yep. COVID. Yeah. And so our gala, our virtual gala is October 29th. And uh, we're doing this cue thing where the ticket holders will get a meal delivered. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And then you can, you know, log in at the same time, enjoy the same meal and hear about like our upcoming like initiatives, you know, what we've been planning for the organization, our successes in the last year, and then having some guest speakers and things like that. So that sounds fun. Great. We'll link below the gala. Are the tickets still for sale? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put the link down below in our show notes so you guys can check it out. Awesome. Thanks. So anyways, enough about me for now. Tell us like a little bit about what you've been up to. I know you also do a lot of volunteer work in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I do is being an AAR for Wellesley College for my undergrad. Okay, and like, so what is AAR? Yeah, AAR is, it stands for Alumni Admissions Representative. So we represent the College Admissions Office to conduct alumni interviews for the incoming applicants. Oh, okay. So then like, what is the purpose of that? So it's actually a part of the application process. I mean, remember back in college, we do our whole application and send in our SAT scores. And I think back then, interviews are not really that common or that popular. I mean, even now, interviews are all, all optional. It's not required. But for Wellesley, they strongly encourage it because it just adds another data point to their application. And it kind of gives them personality in their application. That's true. I mean, sometimes I guess it gives you an opportunity to get to know the person beyond like a paper app. Exactly. And the way I kind of explain it to people is like, if you and I are both applying to the same school and we have the same exact grades and same exact SAT scores, you know, having that interview could make a difference if they're comparing candidates. Yeah, absolutely. When do they usually do this? When are apps normally due and when does the interview happen relative to the application? Yeah, so there's kind of a range of different ones. So there's early decision, which is usually November, December, and they, they find out by Christmas if they're in or not. And then there's regular decision, which is January, February. I think interview requests are already rolling in. I've already received quite a few. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so the early decision students and the admitted students get here back and they can decide. But of course, it's all optional. So they can choose to do it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So then you being in Hong Kong, do you interview just Hong Kong students? or Hong Kong applicants? 
Yes, kind of a range. Mostly Hong Kong applicants. Sometimes we get Hong Kong students who are at boarding school, but they're back in Hong Kong for Christmas holiday, so they'll request their interviews then. Okay. And then the last like two years or so, I've been taking on more like Taiwan ones and other cities all around Asia because this year everything is done virtually, same as your gala. Now they've expanded everything to be virtual interviews instead of in-person interviews. They Actually, expanded our region to span across different time zones. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually getting a few not from Hong Kong, from other countries in Asia. So yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> so then, why do you do it? This is my way of staying connected with the college, and it's a great chance for me to meet amazing young women in high school. So like, students are pretty impressive. You'd be amazed. I am. I I can actually relate because at Castle we've done mock interviews for them uh-huh, for uh-huh. like school right scholarships and the academic achievements of kids today are just amazing. Yeah, people you meet in college and the things they achieve, except they're doing it at a high school level. It's right. It's very impressive. I'm very impressed with today's youth. I mean, I don't remember doing all this stuff in high school. I know, like the most we did was maybe like student council exactly. and like volunteer local nonprofits and things like that. Right. I've interviewed students that they've gone on to summer research at a college level. Yes. They reach out to college professors and ask to volunteer and do research. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. It is, and it's like more and more common. Like I have a lot of clients with kids that are at the age of applying for college, and I hear about like what they're doing over summers, and I'm like, wow. So then, like, what other activities are involved with being a Wellesley AAR? Yeah, so typically we plan two separate events in the spring and in the summer. So the spring one, we call it the welcome event. We invite all the admitted students. This is at the point where they have not decided which college they're choosing. We're just hosting this event to help them learn more about Wellesley and see if they'd be interested in attending Wellesley. And then later on in the summer, we do a summer send-off. So these are for the students that chose to enroll. Yeah, you know, COVID, everything is virtual, so we just hosted a virtual summer send-off all through. Zoom. <laughs> Cute. And what did you guys do like for that? So we did a virtual Q and A session. We have a uh, four panelists, and then we had a moderator, and then we did icebreakers. And another thing that uh, Zoom has is they have breakout room session. So we just set up breakout room sessions, and then we can chit chat in smaller groups. So it's almost like kind of your socializing, yes, in person in smaller groups, but done on Zoom. That's cool. Yeah. You guys can see if you can use that for the gala or something, you know, tables. <laughs> yeah, that's actually kind of a good idea. I will propose that tomorrow at the board meeting. Our yeah. board meeting is tomorrow night. So I will bring that up and see if that's feasible. That's cool. Good suggestion. Okay. So what else do you work on besides Castle? Yeah. So like you, I like to stay kind of involved with my previous careers and previous life. And so I've been mediating for the last nine years with the Center of Conflict Resolution. And what that is, is a nonprofit that does mediation. Okay. So I want to tell the listeners about what exactly is mediation. Mediation is basically an alternative dispute resolution if both parties agree. 
for it to be legally binding. And so the kind of mediation that I do is at the Cook County Court. So it's referred by the court to mediation. Okay. So mediation usually takes place before you go into the lawsuit. Is that correct? Not necessarily. Mediation can come up in a number of ways. Ideally, it does come before you know anyone files a lawsuit. Usually that's not the case because people have tempers and they're like, I'm going to sue you. So then they get an attorney and then they file a court case, right? Right. Well, let's say the trial date is today. You know, maybe it's like a small claims. Maybe it's over like, let's say like $2,000. Okay. It's significant amount of money, but it's not so big that it would like justify you keep pushing this legal case forward. Okay. Right. Because you might end up spending more money for your attorney than the money that you're asking for in this lawsuit. So you go to court, you're like, you file pro se, meaning you represent yourself. You didn't hire an attorney. How is this different from small claims court? Yeah. So a lot of these mediation cases actually happen in small claims court. So you go, you say, hey, I have a disagreement with this other party. The range of cases is anything you can imagine. It can be roommates. It can be retailers. It can be auto body. It could be with your dentist. I mean, people have claims of all kinds. I can't even predict. But Mm -hmm. your day in court is today. You filed a lawsuit months ago. Your day is today. You go to court. You and the other party show up ready for trial, right? In small claims, as you know, like trial is very quick, right? You just state your case and the judge is there. He hears it. She hears it. And then they make a decision. Right. Right. Oftentimes, judges want you to work it out yourself. So even though you do have a case pending and you are ready for trial, before he or she hears your case, the judge is going to say, hey, I want you to go to mediation and see if you can work this out. Mm -hmm. Here is Miss Mediator. She is going to assist you with your mediation. So I would go into a room with them in the courthouse and basically sit them down and do like a quick mediation of anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And we basically talk it out. I facilitate a conversation. I facilitate some way of resolving the situation if possible. And if say both parties say, I don't want to be in this mediation, then it's over. They go back. The judge will make his or her final decision. Okay. But the benefits of mediation is you get to say your piece because in court, you might not get the opportunity to talk when you want and say as much as you want. The judge is going to ask you specific questions, you answer, and then that might be your only opportunity to talk. The benefits of a mediation is that you get to talk openly to the opposing party and see if you can work it out. Oftentimes, people just want to hear a sorry or, hey, Sorry, that didn't work out for us, right? It's not even money. Sometimes people want an emotional response and that's the benefits of mediation. You're able to touch upon those things that actually matter to the opposing party or yourself. Interesting. It is. You get to hear a lot of people's problems and oftentimes it has nothing to do with the case at all. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I do learn about it in my architecture career because oftentimes architects or owners or contractors go into lawsuits or mediation to do all these kinds of discussion. It usually involves money and a lot of he said, she said, and things are not written down. <laughs> yes. 
Exactly. Uh, then gets kind of messy. Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoy volunteering as the mediator at Cook County Court. Obviously, for the last six months, I have not been able to do that, but I love it. It's probably one of my favorite things. It allows me to stay kind of like slightly on the outside of the legal field, but I still get to interact with the parties and help them through their issues if possible. We're always very happy when we get a case that gets settled, which is yeah. great because then mm-hmm. the judge is happy. Everyone's happy, right? Everyone hopefully walks away feeling like they it's like a win-win situation and then they didn't have to go to court officially in front of the judge and have like a judgment placed against them publicly, right? It's on your public record when you have a judgment entered against you. Yeah. In mediation, it stays private. That's good. Okay. Well, anyways, I can talk about mediation for days, but if anyone has questions, feel free to reach out. I'd love to talk more about that. Okay. Yeah. So then, of course, like I would love for you to share. I know that you're involved with other architecture organizations related to your current field. So could you tell us what else you do? Yeah. So I volunteer for the AIA, which is the American Institute of Architects. And that's an organization for architects and this is for, and generally for professional development and continuing education. Kevin and myself both volunteer times to do this. Oh, awesome. Is this organization based in Hong Kong? Yes, there's a Hong Kong chapter. There's different chapters all across different cities in the U.S. and different regions. We call them regions. They recently set up, I guess, for a few years, different regions. So I think they call it like the Asia region and then the Europe region and the North America region. I guess they're doing like the IR. They call it the IR, which is the International Region Conference. But mm. because of COVID, they're, they're running like a virtual conference. Cool. This year, we've been invited as speakers. So Oh, awesome. And we can just do it from home, which is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just out of curiosity, like what will you be speaking about? We just met with them last night. So we're going to be talking to them about business development and how we approach design and our kind of career path and career development on being in Asia and starting our business and having like a U.S. educated background and working in a different country. So yeah, cool. Do they have like a board or something? Yes. So Kevin and myself are part of the executive board. So he was the president last year. Okay. And then so his position this year is, they call it immediate past president, which he helps to kind of facilitate and uh, bridge the gap from last year to this year. Okay. Also the IR rep for Hong Kong. He has meetings every like two weeks. But for myself, I volunteer as the Young Architects Group Chair. So that position is for recruiting young architects and emerging professionals in the Hong Kong region, basically. Yeah. And so you said the organization, the the position that you hold, you help with like recruiting young members? Yeah, correct. So the position is called YAG, which is for the Young Architects Group. Oh, mm mm-hmm. So I help with recruiting younger members and those are taking their AREs, which is the architectural exam and helping facilitate study groups. I think recently we've been talking about launching a mentorship program. We're still in the process of setting it up and just seeing how the interest is amongst the members. Okay. Earlier you mentioned the AREs. So is that the licensing exam? Yeah. 
correct, correct. So it's equivalent to the bar, the architectural exam for the U.S. license. So for us, it's very similar. You have to pick a state that you want to be licensed in, and you、um, register that with the state, and then you take the exams.、So、the exams are all the same, I think, all throughout the U.S. And we're pretty lucky that we can take it here in Hong Kong at Prometric. Oh, cool! And how long have you been involved with this organization? So about six years. Kevin's more involved than I am because he served as vice president, president, and then currently his yeah、uh, positions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet that keeps you guys busy for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's he's super busy. Well, that's awesome. Well, we've covered so much. Obviously, as you can tell, Carol and I love just kind of involving ourselves in organization stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We're passionate about. We really do like giving our time, just because we like to share the knowledge and also learn from others. I think I've greatly benefited from both my organizations that I'm heavily involved in. Yeah, yeah, I bet. So for next week, we're going to talk about my time doing some part-time acting and modeling, and what that looks like, and how I got into it. How exciting! So we're gonna be linking down below in our show notes all we've talked about: Castle, Wellesley, and DCR, and AIA. So if you're interested, please check out the links down below. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe so you can listen to all of our episodes.